Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 17 of our podcast series, The Shades of Success, where we share with you the life stories of some of the top entrepreneurs and executives of color. Today's guest I actually came across while looking for an Airbnb over a year ago, and I was so impressed with her story that I knew I would eventually get her on my show to learn more about her. So her name is McKinney Regal Brereton, and she's basically as amazing and unique as her name is. She was born to West Indian immigrant parents. She managed to buy her first piece of real estate property while still in college, go on to work in social work for a few years before finding her passion in floral arrangements and event design, and finally opened her own company, which has grown into a successful brand with celebrity clientele, and it's continuing to grow without any investors. So during our interview, we cover her journey to where she is, And she's got some great tips for following your own dreams and landing celebrity clients while you're still a new business. So let's jump right in. McKinney, can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Mm -hmm. Okay. So my name is McKinney Regal Burton, and I'm the owner of McKinney Regal Designs, a floral event and interior design company based in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. Um, I am originally from Trinidad and Tobago, and I reside in Brooklyn, New York. Okay. And to get started, did you have a dream job growing up? And if so, what was it? Yes. I was absolutely not that person who always knew what she wanted to do. I wasn't that that young adult or kid. Um, I knew that I had different talents and I knew that there were things that I was interested in, but it wasn't very clear to me at a young age exactly what I would be doing. So it took some time for me. Um, I had to try a few things until I finally figured out what worked best for me. Okay. And so I'm really excited to dig into your story as you've had a really interesting journey to where you are today. So to start at the beginning, you graduated from Mercy with a bachelor's in psychology, and then you went to NYU for legal studies, and that was like all while working as a client advocate. So can you talk Mm -hmm. a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, when I, let's see, when I graduated from high school, I went to a performing arts high school, let me say that first, and mm-hmm. uh, LaGuardia High School, okay. and so I thought that I would be in the arts, um, but then, you know, realized that that wasn't quite, you know, the, the path that I was meant to be on, and then when I graduated from high school, I ended up at a nonprofit while I was in college. I worked at a nonprofit called State Horizon, and I worked with uh, victims of domestic violence, and so... Throughout college, um, it kind of made sense for me to go the psychology route. Um, And then my mom, she's a social worker. She's been a social worker for 20-plus years. So I kind of gravitated towards the social service, nonprofit sort of field. Um, And then after graduating from college, I thought, okay, well, I I know um, a little bit about this field, but I also had this interest in law and thought perhaps I could, you know, be an attorney and do maybe family or criminal law. So that is how I ended up at NYU. I figured, you know, let me try and and get some legal knowledge and then determine my next steps. And so when I talked about not knowing exactly what I wanted to do, I wasn't kidding. Like, I really had (laughs) a few different interests, and I was just trying to figure out exactly which path I would go on. Mm -hmm. And so all of that sort of led me to, you know, down this road. 
Okay. And then you went on to get your master's in social work from Columbia, and then you worked for a variety of different jobs across mm-hmm. a few different mm-hmm. industries over the next few years. Still trying to do that whole figure out exactly, exactly. where you want to be? Yes, exactly. So Columbia was part of this big plan of mine to um, do a dual degree, an MSW and a JD. Um, but while I was at Columbia, I realized that, you know, I wasn't meant to be an attorney. And I think this is pretty common in certain cultures. You know, I'm Caribbean. I know it's very common in mm-hmm. African cultures. This was my dad's dream for me to be an attorney. And mm-hmm. when I finally realized that it wasn't my dream, and luckily I realized that before incurring more debt <laughs> at Columbia, mm-hmm. um, I decided to not pursue the, the legal part of um, of my initial plan. Okay. That's good. I know it's usually doctor, lawyer, engineer. Those exactly. are the only three options. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. And then it seems like you got hit by the entrepreneurial bug and you said, you know, I'm going to follow my own passion and skill and my design mm-hmm. for aesthetics. And you launched your company after you took a few courses. Um, so what made you realize this path and how did you go about doing that? Yeah. So interestingly enough, when I was at Columbia, um, you know, which is in Morningside Heights, I happened to be walking through Harlem and I saw this little boutique, which I then later learned was a floral and event planning company. Mm-hmm. And I looked through the window and it was this really cute shop. And then when the owner came out and we started talking and he told me more about what he did, I was just so intrigued. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also from Trinidad and he was working with like huge clients at the time. And I kept in touch with him, and then one day I, you know, reached out to him, and he told me that he was offering a floral design class. And just for fun, I mean, I've always been like a flower person. I've always loved flowers, but again, I never considered that I could actually have a career as a floral designer. Mm-hmm. And so I took his class over a summer just sort of leisurely, you know, as a hobby, and I loved it. It was so much fun. I, I was so relaxed. I really felt like I was in my element, and I just thought it was quite hilarious because, again, I never thought I would ever, you know, do something that creative, as, you know, as a profession. Mm-hmm. And so after taking his class, I remember him saying to me, you know, you seem to really like this, and you and you seem to have some talent. <laughs> so if you ever wanted a career as a floral or event designer, you could potentially have it. And I remember just sort of laughing it off, like, oh, sure. But I really think that in that moment that that seed was planted. Mm-hmm. And later on, once I really figured out exactly, you know, what I wanted to do, I think that's when that resurfaced. Um, and, you know, when I graduated from Columbia, I had a phenomenal job. I worked for a great company. You know, my boss was amazing, a really good mentor to me. And so I thought, you know, this is it. Like, I thought I made it. (laughs) You know, I had this (laughs) great job and all these perks. But there was still something missing. And I I then realized that I was more of a creative person and I needed to be doing something else that was a little bit more creative for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think at that point, it was really just a matter of figuring out exactly what that, you know, what that that career choice would be. Mm-hmm. And so I I explored different things. I've always been really open to exploring new ideas. I've never really kept myself in a box. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote a few different business plans and I kind of went back to like the basics. Like what do you like doing? What are some things that if you were doing it, it wouldn't feel like work that you actually just enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And so that is when the floral design came back up again. 
Yes. And then how did you go about launching it? How did you fund it? How did you first get started opening your own company? Yeah. Um, so I think I did. I started this business in a little bit of a unconventional way. <laughs> um, I Even though I wrote a business plan, I, I kind of made one of the classic mistakes that a lot of people make when you don't have a business background or you're not that business savvy. I didn't complete my business plan, mm-hmm. um, but I, I had this really, uh, I had this sense of confidence that I could be successful at it, and I also knew that it was sort of a, a low-risk startup company. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't planning on getting a storefront. You know, I wasn't selling a dozen roses, so I'm not a florist per se. I just wanted to be doing something that was more specific to events. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways that I started but was just by, you know, working out of my home. Um, I was smart enough when I was in college to save enough money, and I purchased a home in Brooklyn. Wow. And <laughs> I used <laughs> I used one part of the home to start, you know, McKinney Legal Designs, and that way it sort of kept my startup cost really low. I didn't have to pay for a storefront or a studio space. Um, and then I just started, well, you know, really small. I just started telling friends and family about exactly what I was doing. I, I created a Facebook page mm-hmm. and I used my, you know, my network to sort of spread the word about what I was doing. And literally once I, I put that out there into the universe, this is what I'm doing now. I, I was really surprised about, you know, the amount of support that I got. People were literally just sending you know, clients my way. And, and that, that was how I even booked my first job, you know, a referral from a friend from college. And, you know, slowly but surely, the business just started to grow. And then once it was up and running, how were you able to get new clients? Is that word of mouth recommendations? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, referrals are, are pretty, you know, critical to a small business owner. And so, you know, just doing the best that I could with those clients and encouraging them to spread the word about me. And then, of course, social media is is pretty much key. You know, I tried to be as active as I could on social media and grow my following organically and just, you know, continue to put out work that I was really confident and proud of. And I think that was also another way for me to attract the clients. Absolutely. And to take a step back, how does a college student how is a college student able to purchase a house? <laughs> How are you able to save up and just have the wherewithal about you to say, let yeah. me invest in property? And so, you know, I again, I think some of this it happens when you are when you're an immigrant, you know, mm-hmm. from another country, <laughs> and you have nothing. You know, I came to this country when I was a year old, but my parents literally started over mm-hmm. once they were here. And so, home ownership, you know, education, those are all things that were you know, pushed in my home. And so I knew that I would want to, you know, I would want to buy a home one day. And I just thought, you know what, I should probably do it as soon as I can. And so while I was working as a paralegal, I moved back into my parents, you know, into their home in Brooklyn. And I literally saved everything I had. And I worked overtime like a maniac. Like I literally worked so many hours that I was able to save up enough money for a down payment for a house. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) And so your aesthetic is 
so good. And I can vouch for that because that's how I first found out about you from looking for an Airbnb and saying, like, who decorated this house? Thank you. (laughs) And so it's so good that new brides are now coming to you and saying, you made my wedding beautiful with flowers. Now come make my home Mm -hmm. beautiful with your interior design project. So how did you transition into doing that as well? Yeah. That was actually a a very interesting transition because even though I've always loved, you know, interior design and I've always been really, you know, creative and I I just decorate my home. I usually like do it every few years because I love it so much. Mm -hmm. I never thought that anyone would actually hire me to do interior design. But like you said, it sort of was a natural progression. Um, You know, once clients came to my studio space, that, you know, was always sort of, you know, the first initial introduction into what I do. And it's like, oh, your space is really nice. And then once they got married and, you know, they're moving in together or they're buying their first home, I was that call that they were, they were making. You know, they were mm-hmm. calling me and saying, hey, you know, we noticed that you really like interior design. You know, would you be interested in helping us to design our space? And so that's how, you know, the interior de- design division of my company was launched. Wow. Awesome. Thank and then, so... How did you get to be so good at this? Did you take any classes to get better? Is this all just an innate ability to just make things look nice? How do you how do you do like what is Well, I think I think I did have a natural ability, but I think even if you have, you know, a natural ability, it does make sense to have that technical knowledge. And so mm-hmm. I continue to take classes. Um, you know, every year I make sure to invest at least in one course or, you know, master class to help improve my skills. Okay, good. That's good. And so you've worked with some big-name clients as well. You had Demetri Lucas and Yandy Smith. So how did you secure such big names? Was it from them seeing your work and saying, oh, I've got to have her? Well, the Yandy um, story is actually pretty um, funny. When I first started, you know, before I really had, you know, any clients or very few clients at the time, I was approached by someone on her team to sponsor flowers for this event that she was having through her, um, her nonprofit, Everything Girls Love. And, you know, at the time, I thought, wow, this could be a great opportunity for exposure for me. And so I literally, you know, invested in creating some beautiful arrangements for her event. Mm-hmm. And then I met her and Mona Scott Young, and, and that was a really cool experience. And when she when she was getting married a few years later, you know, my name sort of resurfaced. And it was like, oh, what about that flower girl? Mm-hmm. So that was an example of sometimes, you know, when you first start out, like, making the right decisions to partner with other people or sometimes that sponsorship opportunity can lead to something bigger and better. Mm-hmm. And in that case, it was kind of like a full circle moment for me. I sponsored flowers for her. And then, you know, four years later, I actually was, you know, um, lucky enough to be able to do the flowers on live television for her wedding. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And then on top of all that, <clears throat> I saw that you just got engaged last year. So congratulations. Thank you. It's very so, Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> are you going to be planning and decorating your own wedding, or are you going to trust someone to do it for you? Well, you know, it's, of course, hard to pass that on to someone else. So this mm-hmm. is going to be a little bit of a balance. So I'm mm-hmm. definitely designing my own wedding. Um, but I have a wonderful event planner, um, Lauren of Els Couture, who is a great friend and colleague of mine. So she's taking over the planning aspect, and I am still going to be designing it, um, although on the day of, I won't be designing flowers. 
Okay, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) So to learn a little bit more about you, as the owner of your company, do you have an average day or do you have like a set number of tasks that you do daily or is it kind of just all over the place? Yeah, it's a bit all over the place. Um, You know, when you work for yourself, you are your administrative person, your marketing person. So I definitely have multiple roles in my business. And so yeah, my days, they, they you know, they're never the same. Some days I can spend, you know, meeting with clients, you know, doing walkthroughs of their venues. Other days I'm, you know, at the flower market, you know, ordering flowers or, you know, ordering supplies. Um, it's a very exciting life because literally every week is different. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. And so back to how I first found you, which was just like on Airbnb and looking around. So it looks like you have a couple of properties there now. So what made you decide to get into kind of renting out spaces and renovating Mm -hmm. them before you rent them, or at least, you know, decorating them and making them look even better? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love Airbnb. I know it's (laughs) a hot topic in some places, but I actually was first introduced to Airbnb maybe about six or seven years ago. I was um, in Italy, and I was looking for a place. I was in Venice at the time, and I was looking for a last-minute hotel, and I couldn't find anything. Everything was booked. And then someone recommended Airbnb, and I ended up finding the most amazing Airbnb, and I loved my experience so much. I felt like it was a better way to experience a new country. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, maybe one day I could do this back in, in Brooklyn. And it just so happened that one of my tenants had given me, like, really short notice to move out. And I decided, wait, maybe this is a great opportunity for me to try to do Airbnb instead of get a full-time tenant again. And once I started, it was it was just kind of addicting. You know, you meet <laughs> really cool people from all over the world. And it gave me an opportunity, again, to, you know, design the place and, and make sure that the place was really, you know, beautiful and pleasant for people that were staying there. And so, yeah, since that one Airbnb, I've now, I now have three. And um, and it's also a great way to supplement my income, especially oh, during, yeah, especially during slow season. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm a primarily a wedding professional. You know, during wedding season, you know, you're very busy. But sometimes outside of wedding season, things can be a little bit slow. Mm-hmm. So it's a really good balance for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, so how do you find time to manage a successful company, Airbnbs, and now a wedding to plan? Like, how yeah. do you do that? <laughs> it's tough. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think that the you find the energy to do it when, you, when you're passionate about it and when you really love it. And so mm-hmm. it makes the process a lot easier when you're investing time and energy into something that you know will positively impact your life. Um, you know, although I love working for someone else and I loved the security of a, you know, a paycheck, working for myself now gives me that opportunity to, you know, kind of see my own dreams come true and invest in myself. Mm -hmm. And so when you're doing something for yourself, like you're willing to put in more hours and more time. So I don't mind staying up all night, you know, making sure that my business is attended to because it's for me, it's my legacy You know, it's something that I would love to continue to see grow. And, you know, maybe my children one day will be involved in my business. You never know. Mm -hmm. 
coming out with your life, there seems to be like an overarching theme of like you put something out in the universe and then an opportunity presents itself and you kind of work really hard and it grows from there. That's what happened Mm -hmm. with like the Florida company and then the Airbnb, the perfect timing with the tenants leaving. Yep. That's kind of great. Okay. And then you've also stated that you love traveling. So do you have any favorite destinations or Mm -hmm. any memorable visits? Um, well, my most recent visit, um, I, my fiance and I recently did our engagement pictures in Cuba, Ooh. and that was pretty remarkable. Um, a friend of ours who's also a photographer in New York City, Amy Añas, called us and said, hey, let's go to Cuba for your engagement pictures. And <laughs> we thought she was crazy, but then we decided, you know what, it's a place that we've always wanted to visit, why not go? And Havana is remarkable. It was one of the most memorable trips I've ever been on. The people are beautiful. Like, you know, the architect, it's just a beautiful, beautiful country. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I was really glad to have explored Havana before it gets too hectic. I know that now a lot of people are visiting. Mm -hmm. And so that, I think, would probably go down as as one of my most favorite destinations. Is it Mm -hmm. true that the cars are kind of stuck in the old times? God, the cars are so beautiful. Yeah, it you feel like you're on a set, you know, of a movie from the fifties. It's just mm-hmm. a very beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there's an ongoing debate between entrepreneurs and people who just are like business teachers of following your passion versus following a skill or something that you're good at. And you seem to kind of have hit that sweet spot. So what advice can you give others looking to do the same and kind of blend both of those theories? Yeah. I mean, I think if you're if you're lucky enough to have found your passion, um, you know, that's sort of like the first step, finding exactly what makes you happy, you know, what what you don't mind doing, whether you whether you're paid for it or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once you find that passion, I think everything else sort of can line up. Um, and, you know, once you find it, you're willing to really work as hard as possible to really see like, you know, your goals through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, um, it's certainly not for everyone. Not everyone I think is able to be an entrepreneur because it does require you working a lot harder. I think people kind of assume, oh, you know, once you, you decided to start a business, you know, anything is fine. You can just sort of, but it's a lot more work that I think anyone might be willing to tell you. Mm-hmm. But again, if you love it and you're passionate about it, I feel like it just it makes it all worth it. Absolutely. Okay. And what would you say is the biggest obstacle you felt on your journey so far, and how are you able to overcome it? Yeah. I think, I mean, there's so many obstacles to starting a business, but I think one of the things that I wish I had known before I started was exactly how much money I would need to mm-hmm. to grow a business. You just never really anticipate exactly how much it's going to cost. And I think especially when it comes to, you know, the marketing expense, you know, if you want to try to generate press for your business, your public relations expense, um, those are things that kind of took me by surprise. Um, And, again, that's probably because I never finished my business plan. But Mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, all of those obstacles can be overcome. Again, if you have that passion for what you do, you find a way I think this process has taught me that I'm extremely more resilient than I ever knew and really resourceful because I, you know, I essentially always find a way to, to make it work. And so, um, 
you know, and and a a particular instance where I needed to have a little bit more funding for marketing or, you know, public relations, I ended up going back to a nine-to-five job temporarily Mm -hmm. just to be able to fund some of the projects that I wanted to do. So, you know, obviously when you start a business, you should try to be as prepared as possible and knowledgeable as possible about what you're getting into. Mm -hmm. Um, And in my case, I wasn't necessarily as knowledgeable, but um, I made it work and Mm -hmm. and I continue to make it work and 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 I always will. Good. And you know, there's also a whole back and forth around like finish the business plan, do one versus don't do one because you might sit and yes. overthink it too much. Exactly. So it kind of worked out for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any right or wrong answer. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's it's always best to be you know overly prepared for something, but I don't think your business plan should get in the way of you going forward if you feel confident in your idea. You know, I think, mm-hmm. you know, some people are just more, more risk takers than others. And in, in my case, I just took that risk because I knew I just had a sense of, of confidence that it would work out. And I also feel like if you have a backup plan, like in my case, like, you know, I, I, I knew that I could get a job again. I knew that I had qualifications and, you know, a skill set to get a job in case my, my plan to start a business did not work out. Mm-hmm. That's very true. There's always another job you can come back to. Of course. That prime time to to step out on your own might not come back for a while. Okay. And then my final question for you is, what's next for you? What would you like to envision happening in the next 5, 10, 20 years? Yeah. Well, you know, I have so many, so many plans. Um, I want to see my business continue to grow, and I want, of course, to be able to do work that I'm really proud of. Um you know, I want to grow my brand to a place that, you know, is continue to be recognized for, for great quality work and for innovative design. And so, you know, I'm just taking it step by step. I think for a business that's almost five years old, I'm really happy with the, the level of success that I've achieved. Mm-hmm. But I also know that I have a lot more work to do. So, you know, I'm just going to continue to do that continue to improve, you know, my skill and technique and, you know, just looking forward to all the opportunities that will be presented to me in the future. Thanks again to McKinney for her time today. Have a follow-up question for her? Leave a comment below and we will be sure to ask her and get you an answer. Thanks for tuning in and see you next week.